We've all got laptops. All right. Good morning, church. You excited to be here? Oh, that's really loud. Hey. Oh, well, welcome. So nice that you're here. Uh, if I haven't had the privilege of meeting you yet at some point, I'm Lauren Fraser, and it's really nice to be here. Before we begin, let's just start with another prayer. Bow your heads. Hey, God, thank you so much for just this beautiful Sabbath day. Thank you that we have uh, the privilege and the capacity and ability to make it here to church, Lord, to, to praise you. Um, it's such an honor that we can be led in worship with uh, by our teens, and that's just so beautiful. And we just thank you for all the different people that uh, come together with their talents and put them uh, into church uh, so that we can, we can be here and we can just community with each other and learn more about you. And that's exactly what we pray that you'll help us to do this morning, Lord. We pray that you'll speak through me, that you'll open up our hearts and our minds, uh, that we will just be ready to receive your message uh, today. Amen. Okay, so uh, this is week one. We are starting a new series uh, called Red Flags, uh, specifically looking at relationships. Um, be good if I turned it on. There we go. All right, so this is, uh, like I said, part one of these relationships uh, series. Uh, today we're just going to be identifying relationships, looking at uh, seeking some awareness, uh, but there's going to be a couple more in-depth uh, messages coming in the next few weeks, looking at uh, striving for selflessness, uh, seeking grace and patience, and seeking truth. So uh, come back for those, because it's going to be a really good series. But first, let's just define what a, re a red flag is, because we can't go through everything. Like We cannot possibly get through everything about re relationships and red flags in the next 30 minutes, but we'll start with a good definition. All right, so the Merriam-Webster Dictionary has it as a warning signal or sign, something that indicates or draws attention to a problem, danger, or irregularity. Google has it a as a warning sign of danger. My husband would have it as not picking uh, a black pen over a blue pen. Um, maybe I shouldn't be up here anymore, I don't know. But we'll keep going, right? Um, and I kind of like to define it as this alarm bell in our mind or our gut that something is not quite right or headed in the wrong direction. It's a Holy Spirit intervention. And I'll come back to that point in a moment. Uh, if any of this is starting to sound a little bit familiar, this time, or about this time last year, we did a ser similar series called Guardrails, and I just happened to be the person uh, that had the relationship topic. And so there is some, there's a lot of similarity. Um, and what we looked at last, in the last series linking to guardrails, is how a guardrail in a relationship is something that we set, it's a boundary that we thoughtfully and protest uh, when we're coming close to danger or there's that potential of falling. Okay, we hashtagged it direct and protect. All right, it's that guide, it keeps us safe. And so a red flag, kind of, it's the next step, it's what alerts us if that boundary is approached or pushed. And it might be something that we ourselves do or it might be something that someone else does. And we'll have a look at both of those as well. All right, but it catches our attention just for a moment. It makes us pause, makes us reevaluate the situation and what's going on. 
And now I have defined, I did keep in my definition that for me, it's, it's this Holy Spirit intervention. And if you have a look at uh, the Holy Spirit in the Bible, there's so many verses. And if you start to go through all of them and look at them together and collectively, it actually starts to paint this really incredible picture of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit as a gift that God has given us. So let's just have a look through that. And that'll kind of set up uh, our foundation for this morning. So the Holy Spirit is a gift from God who speaks to us and guides us in God's truth. Like a guardrail designed to direct and protect, we are gifted freedom in the Holy Spirit. If we listen and are guided in truth to the way God, uh, to the life God has planned for us. God sent his Holy Spirit to dwell in us and with us, for we are precious children of God brought with the highest price to do life with us and to encourage us. As valuable children cherished by God, the Holy Spirit is our advocate, our champion in defense, alerting us to something outside of God's plan for us. Teaching is for us his truth, his goodness, his character, his love, and that, reminding, uh, and that remaining here in his safe space, in where he is planned for us, provides peace and freedom. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we are therefore called to love and serve one another, to spread God's truth and goodness, not to shame each other. We, all we have to do to receive this incredible gift is to ask. Now, if something happens and you get some text message or alert or a child starts crying or whatever and you have to leave through that door right now, honestly, that's enough. If you bring the Holy Spirit into your life, if you ask for its help and its protection, you allow it to advocate for you, you're going to be fine. But if you're going to stick around, let's dive a little deeper. Now, there are so many different types of relationships. We're not specifically looking today at romantic relationships. They will get a little bit of a turn, but there are so many different types of relationships, and so I promise that there is going to be something for you. We've got marriage, we've got dating, we've got friendships, family members, peers and coworkers, coaches, teachers, mentors, lots of those in the room, professionals, acquaintances, and other, you have a relationship with anyone that you come into contact with, whether it be big or small, long-term or short. So there's something in here for all of us. We can even go one step further and remind ourselves that we're in relationship with God, and there can be red flags that come up in our relationship, but let me just clarify, they're on us, not him. Again, we'll come to that. So... With all these different relationships going on, evolving over different seasons, all right, it's really important to stay in tune to the possibility, the potential of red flags, because we live, unfortunately, in a sin-touched world. We can't escape that right now. And the enemy is going to throw whatever he can at each of us, at our relationships to try and undermine them, whether it's with God or with other people. So we need to stay alert. 
Now, I'm gonna dive straight into a story. Uh, I've picked a, uh, a story from the Bible. It's a really interesting passage. It is full of red flags. But if for whatever reason, after this story, you're like, eh, that one didn't quite gel. Honestly, you can pretty much open to anywhere in the Bible. You can pick a story that has people in it and you will find uh, relationship red flags. The Bible is riddled with them. They're everywhere. And it's kind of neat because you can learn so much from these red flags if you're willing. Um, but again, the Bible is full of humans living in a sin-touched world, and no one is perfect except for Jesus. You can follow his uh, leading perfectly. But right now, we're going to have a look at the story of Samson and Delilah. And if you want to follow along, uh, I've got it on the screen, but if you like to have it open in your Bibles, we're looking at Judges 16, verses 4. All right. Some time later, he, Samson, fell in love with a woman from the Valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Now the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we might tie him up and subdue him, each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. At the time, that's a lot. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. It's not the full story, we're just going to pause it there. I have highlighted in yellow the parts that I believe are red flags, okay? And we'll get to why I believe that they're red flags, but there's a lot in this story. There's a lot. And like, she's not even subtle about it. Tell me how you can be tied up and subdued. Like, unless you're into something a little bit kinky, that's kind of a weird thing to ask someone, right? But we, he goes through, the story continues. But again, before it does, just a little bit of context here. Okay, Samson, uh, he's a, a Nazarite. He's part of God's chosen people, and he kind of lives over here, up in this space, a little bit of an elevated space. And then we've got, on the other side of this valley of uh, Sorak, we've got the Philistines, and they live over here. And these guys, they do not get along. And if you go back and you read some of the story, you're going to learn that Samson, like, he annoys them a lot. He kills a number of them. Like, they really don't get along. And even though he's God's appointed person, uh, judge in that, at that time, there's this real conflict, okay? But he's come down. He's left his safe space. He's come down a little bit closer to their border than maybe he should have been. We'll get to that as well. And he's met Delilah. There's, there's a little bit of, uh, if you look it up, certain which side of the um, valley she's actually from. But he meets her, he falls in love with her, and then the Philistines, this whole area, um, they don't have a king per se, they have a number at the time. And those are the men that come and they find Delilah and they offer her this money if, he, if she can find out his, uh, his secret. So there's just some context as to what's going on here. Let's untie me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried. I'll become weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied him with them. With men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easy as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to the flame, so the secret of his strength was not discovered. Now, we could probably also highlight the fact that they're both lying to each other. Let's keep going. Mm -hmm. 
Then Delilah said to Samson, you've made a fool out of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. So he said, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took the new ropes and tied him with them. Then, with men hidden in the room, she calls again, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snaps the ropes off his arms as easy as thread. Delilah then said to Samson, all this time you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. How can you be tied? Tell me how you can be tied. He replied, if you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with a pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head of his head, wove them into fabric, and tightened them with a pin. Again, she called Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and pulled the pin and the loom with the fabric. It's getting kind of repetitive, isn't it? Like it's, how did he miss it? I mean, he's toying with her at the same time, but like, it's just really interesting cycle of just lies and deceit and manipulation. But we go for round four. Here it is. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? Rich, right? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head. He said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to the God from my mother's womb. If my head was shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more, he has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands after putting him to sleep on her lap. She's just realized that he's for the first time possibly in their relationship really opened up and been honest with him. She could have grabbed hold of that. She could have let that be something that helped them to develop and grow she's chosen to call the Philistine leaders and betray him. And not just call them and say, hey, I've got the information, I know what you need to do, here it is, go for your life. She has intimately betrayed him by subduing him in her lap. He is asleep on her lap while she has someone shave his head. Such an intimate betrayal. And his strength leaves him. Then she calls, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go as, out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And we're going to leave it there. But if you need to know the end, it's not great. Now this story is full of red flags. It's this horrible cycle of lies and betrayal that no one chooses to learn from. But let's see if we can. Couple of lessons just from this passage, and it's not even that extensive, but here we go. Be mindful of where you hang out. 
Like I said, Samson's from here. His sworn enemies, who he's killed a lot of, are just over here. And instead of saying, I'm going to stick here, like here's the boundary, this is, he might have needed to be there. We're not told. But we do read, if you look previously, we do learn that it's not the first time he's wandered into an area where he really shouldn't have been. He seems to not learn from his past mistakes. He is tempting fate by wandering closer to the Philistine territory. Being mindful of where you are and avoiding places that are likely to end up causing you trouble is a really good start. Set those boundaries. Don't go there. Be mindful of where you hang out. You can't get in trouble if you're not there, right? Be mindful of your actions, just like where you hang out. All right, if Samson had been more mindful of some of his past actions, again, he might not have ended up in this situation. The saying goes, and it's as old as time, but it's still a goodie. Our actions have consequences, good and bad. We cannot control everything, but we can control how we react. We can be mindful of where we go, how we act, and how we spend our time, which is the second or the third one. Be mindful of who you spend your time with. Delilah chose to entertain these rich and powerful Philistine leaders. She knew who they were. She knew that they were a sworn enemy of the man that she was living with, but she chose to entertain them in her home. She had them there when she tried to subdue him. Be careful of who you spend time with. And keep your priorities in check. She valued wealth and potential power more than she valued the love of this man that she had. And he valued beauty in his partner more than truth and honesty. Ultimately, they undid each other. Learn from past mistakes. Like three or four times, the cycle, it just keeps going. And again, this isn't even the first time that Samson has been undone by the beauty of a woman where he's been uh, seduced and then subdued, sorry. He refuses to learn from his mistakes. It's really obvious. I mean, we don't know. You've got to give them a little bit of leeway. We have no idea if this took place over days, weeks, years, decades. We don't know. The story uh, isn't that specific. I think it's a shorter amount of time, though. Even still, it comes across as really obvious, and he just chooses to ignore. Be aware of emotional manipulation. Delilah played him like a champion. She was very emotionally manipulative. How can you say you love me? How can you say you love me? You've just tried to betray me three times. Emotional manipulation or abuse can be present in any relationship, not just romantic ones, and it is just as dangerous as physical abuse. Beware of seduction. Samson fell prey to a beautiful woman time and time again. You can go back, you can read. He has a marriage, it lasts several days. I don't think he even gets out of the wedding series and it falls apart. He goes wandering somewhere where he shouldn't. He sees a prostitute and just because he sees her, X, Y, Z. All right, he chooses not to learn from his mistakes. He continues to be prey to these beautiful women time and time again. 
He is charmed by their beauty and it leads to unhealthy outcomes in those relationships. Now, let me just say that there is absolutely nothing wrong with flirting in a good, healthy relationship. And there's nothing wrong with finding beauty in a partner. But when you are blind to what's going on in reality, because of that beauty, that's when it becomes an issue. It's a red flag and it can have devastating effects. Now, relationships need respect. If Samson or Delilah, if either of them had chosen to respect the other person, none of this would have happened, but they didn't. Relationships cannot thrive without respect. They can barely survive. You have to work at it. You have to work at it to keep it, and if you lose it for any reason, you've got to work harder to gain it back. They cannot survive or thrive without respect. Now again, I don't know about you, but every time I read this passage, I'm just like, how could he be so stupid? I'm sorry, it's true, and it's not just him. It's not because he's a guy or anything, but like, really, how could you be so stupid? It happens time and time again. It seems almost absurd to me. Again, we don't know how long over this takes place, but how we read it, it just seems absurd. He ignored it. He even played along with it. Like, he lied to her. He let her, like, all these things play out. He made her act the fool. And this is the person that God chose to judge Israel for 20 years. This person who seems to have the absolute worst judgment, especially when it comes to his relationships, he's God's chosen person for 20 years to judge God's people. I'm not going to lie. The first time I read this, I was like, "Mm, God, what were you thinking? (laughs) Sorry, no disrespect, but I don't get it. And then the Holy Spirit was like, Lauren, come on. You do get it. Just think about it. And I was like, oh. And suddenly, this bizarre, really frustrating story actually became this just, this incredibly encouraging story. One of the most incredible in the Bible, if you ask me, because what it shows me, what it shows us, is that God can use anyone, and he does use anyone. Despite their most obvious shortcomings, God can use us, he chooses to use us, all of the time for his plan and for his glory, which I just think is amazing. It's the only reason I am here. All right, we've learned a lot from Samson and Delilah, and I love reading through these Bible stories. I love adding in the context. I love learning from them, but I also need a practical application. I need a what now, a where to from here, some steps that I can take to move forward. So here are some. Number one, pray. First thing we should always do is pray. In this specific context, we're praying for the Holy Spirit. We're praying for the Holy Spirit guidance in our relationship. And we're gonna pray that the Holy Spirit will help us to set some boundaries in any of our relationships. Set them before you need them. Set godly boundaries. Then we're gonna ask the Holy Spirit to alert us to the red flags. Now, there are so many different types of red flags. Some of them we've read about, but if we were to look and create an extensive list of any kind of red flag that can pop up in any kind of context, we would be here for weeks, and we don't have that kind of time. So I've created an umbrella list, 
And we'll have a look at those. These are some things to be watching out for. And these are some things to watch out for. Oh, that's really tiny writing, sorry. Um, In any relationship, not just romantic ones. This is a generic list. Okay? We've got a lack of communication. Red flag. A lack of appreciation. A lack of trust. Boundary crossing. Big red flag. We've talked about this stubbornness or selfishness, and you'll learn more about that one next week, manipulation, gaslighting, controlling behavior, love bombing, as I've heard it called, inconsistent behavior, hot and cold, put-downs or bullying, lying and dishonesty, more about that in the fourth week, abuse, whether it's emotional, physical, or verbal, all serious, all red flags, because they are all damaging. Secret keeping, and not the good kind. Like, can you just keep this secret because I want to surprise this person, or we're going to have this party, or there's a gift for this estate? Not the good kind. Laziness, rudeness, anger and rage. More about that in week three. And now we can look at some specific to marriage and dating, all right? A lack of intimacy or sex, specifically for married couples. Just let's clarify that right now. But it's a red flag. If there's a lack of flirting, a lack of intimacy in your relationships, if you become like roommates, that's a major red flag. You need to address that. Intimacy is a gift from God. It's designed to be a really big part of our marriages. If it's lacking, it's a red flag that we need to address. And like we said last time when we looked at guardrails, all right, again, I cannot state this enough, those guardrails, they need to go in place before you need them, all right? If you're in that dating stage especially, you set them up before you get there. If you're not in the dating stage, now's the perfect time to set them up before you need them because in the moment, is not the time. It's so much harder. It's practically impossible to set up a guardrail when you're already in the danger zone. Decide where you are comfortable before you even meet that person, before you go on that date. All right, number two, lust towards someone who is not your partner or your spouse. Those lingering eyes, those fantasizing thoughts, You are going to be in trouble mentally long before you were in trouble physically. And the dangers are the same. The effects are the same. The damage is still going to be there. Intimate conversations with a person of the opposite sex who is not your partner. We all have those conversations. I'll chat to my sister or my girlfriends. But if I was to take personal information from my life and start to talk about it with another male who's not Tristan, it's kind of a red flag. I shouldn't be having those conversations. It's setting me up for potentially falling. It's setting me up for danger. You might think that I'm a little bit old school or backwards in that, but I think you know I'm right. The research says I'm right. Watch out for it. Pointing out flaws in your partner in front of others. This is damaging and it is disrespectful and it's actually biblical not to do this. 
Don't shame someone. I mean, a public shaming in pretty much any relationship context is a negative thing. Don't do it. Keep it for private. Being too busy for one another. Not prioritizing your partner or their needs. Pornography, massive red flag. Threatening to leave if they don't X, Y, or Z, or threatening to hurt yourself if they leave. Gone. Nope, I'm back. Um, these are major red flags, and honestly, those are some red flags that you might actually need to seek professional help regarding. Hurting each other on purpose, emotionally or physically, red flag. Posting your private life all over social media, red flag. There are some things, absolutely, that we should share. There's a whole lot that we shouldn't. Please think twice before you hit that button. And ignoring an issue. It's a red flag. Don't do it. It's just going to grow and fester. It's gonna get blown out of proportion and it's gonna be harder to deal with later. Now, there are some times when the argument needs a little bit of time, when it's not the right time, right then and there, to actually solve that problem. Right? Sometimes we need a little space so that everyone can calm down, so we, we actually have the capacity to hear someone else's perspective. Tristan and I do this a lot. Oh, he's here, okay, I thought he was not gonna be here today, but he's here, he'll be fine. Um, we do this quite a bit, and we've had to learn in our marriage how to deal with this, because bless him, when he gets frustrated and angry, he's like, he is here, and he wants the fight. I don't know why, but he does. He wants to have the fight, he wants to hash it out, he wants to argue it, he wants to get loud. I do not. I have learnt that my dear husband in that state cannot be proven wrong. He cannot comprehend my perspective. So I refuse to engage. It infuriates him more. So I'll walk away. I can still be fuming myself. He has to walk away. We give each other some time. Eventually though, might be an hour, might be the afternoon, might be the day. We'll calm down. We'll be able to return, apologize, hear each other's perspective, and move forward. We've had to learn how to do that. It's not always right then and there as the right time to deal with something. Now, a red flag does not mean that we always need to turn and flee. In fact, in our relationships, most of the time, a red flag alerts us to something that we need to deal with. Yes, sometimes a red flag is like, whoa, this is like really mega weird. Actually, bail, get out early. All right, but a lot of the time, especially if you're already in that relationship, married, whatever, it's just saying, hey, this is something that you need to deal with. Don't ignore it. Ig uh, deal with it. The Bible verse, Proverbs 27, 17. I love this verse. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. We are supposed to help each other, to support each other, to encourage each other. Not run sometimes, but not usually. 
Stay and deal with it. Work through it. Now, there's a lot on that list, but it pretty much all comes down to this. You think of any red flag in any relationship, they all come down to either a lack of love and or a lack of respect. Every single one. You've got an issue, you've got this. It's really quite simple. Now remember, the Holy Spirit is this incredible gift that alerts us to a relationship red flag when a boundary is crossed or if we're wandering in the wrong direction. We can be alerted to something that someone else is doing or we can be alerted to something that we are doing, our own words and actions that need to be addressed. Remember, one day we're going to get to heaven and we're going to be held accountable for how we actually dealt with God's people whether it's our partner, our children, postie, whoever it happens to be. I know how I want to be able to front up to God. But I fail a lot. It's a really long list and it's not even a very extensive list. There are so many times, there are so many ways that we, as sin-touched human beings, fail this list. We send up red flags or we ignore red flags all the time, probably on the daily if we're totally honest with ourselves. And that is why I absolutely love the fact that Jesus created grace for us. Because it, it matters, yes it does, but all you have to do is acknowledge it, ask for forgiveness, and God will cover you with grace you ask for that Holy Spirit guidance and he's gonna help you move forward. He's gonna help you deal with those issues. Grace covers all. Thank you, Jesus. Step number four. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you deal in a Christ-like way. I'm gonna share a little story. I was about 15 years old. I was on the bus coming back from a big camp uh, event, probably like Dream World or something, and we're sitting at the back of the bus because that's where the cool kids sit with a bunch of our friends and dare. And someone dared a different, uh, a, a boy, uh, to kiss me. And I'd never been kissed at this point. And he leans in and I had like this split second moment to figure out, is this, I don't have a boundary here. Is this a boundary that I want to set up? Do I want this to be my first kiss? Do I want this context to be my first kiss? Do I want this person to be my first kiss? I don't know, it's all going through my brain. Very, very quickly I realized, no, um, I did not. And instead of being like, ooh, yeah, not today, mate, I slapped him. <laughs> I saw the issue, I saw the boundary being crossed, I dealt with it but it wasn't exactly in a Christ-like way. I got a pretty good reaction out of everyone on the bus, and no one ever tried it again. Um, and we're still friends, we, he got over it. I didn't slap him too hard, but I slapped him. And afterwards, once we'd all stopped giggling, um, I kind of had this Holy Spirit moment, another red flag moment, more so than just the boundary it was like, look, yeah, it was a boundary. Yeah, you dealt with it, but did you deal with it the right way? Probably not. Probably could have dealt with it a little bit better. Thank you again for grace. All right, 
But as children of God, we are called to the divine purpose of loving and serving his people. How we interact with each other, with people in general, it's supposed to be different from how the world interacts. It's supposed to be noticeably different. We need to have that Christ-like way of dealing with things. And you know what? The Bible is just this incredibly beautiful manual full of instructions on how to be more like Jesus, on how to grow and develop ourselves, how to grow and develop our relationship with God and with other people. You pretty much open up anywhere. It's the whole Bible. It's about connecting. It's about serving. It's about loving. It's about being more like Jesus. We are designed for community and connection, but we are designed for it in a Christ-like fashion. God has called us to love and to serve. And again, this is not an extensive list. This is just a couple of ideas if you're not really sure how to go from here. Praise and encourage each other. Pray with and for one another. Show appreciation and gratitude. Be kind and genuine. Seek peace with others. Be helpful and supportive. Be truthful and honest even and especially when it's hard. Check in with those around us. Be a friend to those in need. Set aside purposed time for one another. No distractions. No phone, no Netflix. Mentor someone. Speak Jesus over and into someone's life. I love this verse. Oh, no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves one another has fulfilled the law. Love your neighbor. It's really simple. It all comes down to love and service. Step number five, set relationship goals with the help of the Holy Spirit. Relationship goals are cool. Remember when we all had like squad goals? Relationship goals. Showing my age now, but that's fine. All right. Again, not an extensive list, just some ideas. Seek genuine friendship. Remember, commitment is cool. If you need to label something, hey, maybe you need to label something. Uh, be positive and affirming and enc use encouraging communication. Trust and honesty, no secrets, unless they're the good kind. But more on this in week four. Cheer your partner or your friends on. Be happy for their success, not jealous. This one can be really hard if we're perfectly honest with ourselves. Work at it. Prioritize quality time together. Again, no distractions. It doesn't count as sitting down on the couch watching TV together, even if it's your favorite show. Quality time. Be selfless. More on that next week. Show grace. More on this in week three. Respect each other. It all comes down to that love and respect. Few little ones for marriage. Touch regularly. Hold hands. Hug. Get creative. Prioritize sex and intimacy. Don't become roommates. Know and support your husband's needs, or partner, I should say, needs and goals. You're a team. 
Remember, it all comes down to love and respect. It all comes down to love and service, both of those things. Your relationships need love and respect, and you are called to love and to serve. Five things. Three is with the help of the Holy Spirit. Ask for the Holy Spirit to help alert you to the red flags. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you deal in a Christ-like way and set relationship goals with the help of the Holy Spirit. You get in the theme. It's not actually red flags. It's the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. So let's pray for it right now. Let's do step one. Hey, God, thank you so much for this absolutely incredible, beautiful day. We thank you that we can come here, that we can foster relationships and connections with God-like people, that we can grow as a church community. And Lord, we pray that you will help us to remember that we are called to be more, that we are called to be like you, to follow in Jesus' footsteps, to love and to serve, and that every single relationship, it requires love and respect if it's going to thrive. Lord, we pray that you would send us your Holy Spirit, that it would reach into our lives, that it would partner with us, that it would advocate for us, that it would guide us and protect us, help us set up relationship goals and boundaries and deal with things in a way that reflects you and your love for people. Lord, we love you so much. Amen.